Welcome to the Home Service Business Coach Podcast with your host, David Mowerman. You will learn to grow your home service business and transition from being the technician in your business to being the CEO and leading your team to success. Get a front row seat where you will get practical advice from industry experts on how you can level up your home service business. Get ready to take some notes because we're going to jump right into it here. Okay, Podcast Nation, we are live. It's Dave Mormon, uh, Home Service Business Coach. I am live with my friend Rob Shouldis all the way from Victoria, British Columbia. We are uh, two brothers up here in Canada. Uh, Rob, how are we doing today, my man? Doing good, good. Yeah, it's uh, it's not raining today. It's a nice, uh, nice Friday here in Victoria. All the crews are out working, so yeah, it's been good. Awesome, man. Um, for everyone listening and watching, tuning in, uh, Rob and I uh, go back actually to uh, student painting days with university first class painters. It's how I met this guy. And uh, he, he's a very, uh, very humble guy. So I was just saying off air, I'm going to do the bragging for him. But uh, he actually knocked me off uh, my record in the student painting world and, and outproduced me uh what did you do rob almost 400 or something in that that last year yeah anywhere about 380 three in the summer uh painting so that's how i got to know rob he uh he smashed out my record and has now uh followed suit into uh into the house washing world so um you know we we have a lot of similarities with our story and uh, i just love keeping up to him as uh, we're both in uh, in BC, in Canada. So he agreed to come on to uh, the live stream here and uh, onto the podcast as well. And we're going to just be going through some key nuts and bolts here, having a, a fairly organic discussion on some key things Rob's doing to grow his business. So uh, Rob, maybe just tell us a bit about uh, elevate exteriors right now what kind of stuff you're doing uh what the company structure is and then uh, we'll kind of take her from there yeah right on so right now we're at about uh, i think we're 13 14 employees or so um started off last year we only had five people last year during peak season um this year we're hoping to kind of keep our staff at about this level and then uh, moving into the summer we'll probably move up 15 16 uh, 17 people hopefully we'll see um but yeah we've got a door-to-door uh, -door sales team that goes out uh, pretty much five days a week. We've got a great great team of people there, very motivated, uh, love knocking on doors. So I think we've got about three full-time people there. Um, and then we've got two full-time estimators um, that are doing about 16 quotes a day, roughly. Um, half an hour slots, just hammering those out. And then uh, we have one part-time person doing that as well. So doing about 200 estimates a week or so uh, on that front. And uh, then on our production side right now, we've got six technicians, um, and we're looking to, to add a couple more here. We've got about four vans on the roads. And then we have our uh, wonderful office manager, uh, Jordy, who started with us about a month and a half ago. Um, and yeah, she's been crushing it in the office, keeping us organized and keeping all the guys on track. So, yeah. Man, that is unreal. So you've got quite a sizable team you've built out. And what's fascinating to me about your story is just like how quickly you're doing this. This is your, is it your second year in business in Washington? Yeah. Yeah, we, wow. started, we started our first ever Washington was, at, I think, about April 15th last year. Wow. So you're not even, are you just, 
what are we April? Yeah, you're almost one year old kind of thing. Yeah. That's amazing, man. What what's um what would you say is like at a deep level, like what's propelling this success? Like obviously you're you're a go-getter, you're entrepreneurial, but is there anything else you can kind of share with the listeners? Cause I'm sure most people are just watching this being like, How on earth in your second year do you already have 15 people, crew set, you've got uh, people to do your quoting, your office manager, and you're honestly in this kind of like fun CEO, general manager-ish role where you kind of just deal with making sure the trains are running on time and kind of all the fun system stuff. So tell us like a few things that have been kind of key to, to, to your success to this point. For sure, for sure. And I, I can't take all the credit as well. I do have a business partner, Addison. I guess I left him out of the, the conversation <laughs> earlier there. So I'm sure, sure really happy to hear that uh, you know, knowledge in there. So yeah, he, he crushes it as well. We're both very motivated and, and uh, you know, on the days I'm feeling less motivated, he's the one pushing and vice versa. So um, having him around obviously is, is huge and it just, you know, gets someone, someone else there that kind of has the same goal in mind. They have the same interests as you. So um, you know, for me, I, I was always kind of wary of having a business partner because obviously everything is, you know, split. But, um, you know, for me, it's been great. It keeps me motivated, like I was saying. And, um, yeah, very, very like-minded. Um, and in some of the areas that I'm, you know, weaker on, he's a little bit uh, stronger on for sure. So uh, having him around has been great. Um, and then, yeah, the main thing kind of propelling the business, I'd say definitely um, the marketing and just the sales uh, system we've created, uh, it has tremendous momentum and it's just going to keep going, I hope. Um, we have a great team of salespeople. We try to create a really positive, happy culture there because we know knocking on doors isn't the most fun thing to do all the time. Um, and so we try to create a fun culture there. Um, those people are paid very, very well. Um, I think one of our door-to-door -door people actually was our highest grossing paid person in the last period. Uh, nice. You know, he's absolutely crushing it out there. This guy's a veteran sales guy, so he, he knows what he's doing. He's pulling in awesome estimates. Uh, and then that runs right into our estimating team um, that uh, fortunately, you know, one of, it's one of our techs that we promoted up from last year. He's doing estimates. He's been doing a really good job. And then uh, Jordan, one of our other guys, he had um, estimating experience before. So um, that's that part's been really propelling us forward, I'd say, sales-wise. Um, and then, yeah, just I guess it comes down to just finding good people, really, at the end of the day. So um, we have a very, you know, like-minded group of people. We're all around the same age, roughly. Um, all kind of have the same goals in mind. Um, and so everyone, you know, really cares about the business. They want it to do well. So, um, yeah, it's a great group of people. There isn't anyone on our team that I wouldn't go for a beer with after work or anything like that. Everyone's a great person. So, um, yeah, it's, it's the kind of the main things propelling it forward. And we're just trying to continue to strengthen our, our production team. So um, mm -hmm. I deal more so with the, the estimating and marketing side of things. Mm -hmm. uh, and Addy deals a little bit more with the production side of things. And, uh, you know, we're working together just to, you know, keep quality control at bay uh, to make sure the guys are doing a good job there. We've got lots of systems in place to make sure that they're uh, doing things properly on their ends. And uh, yeah. Man, that's, that's amazing. That's, uh, we could chat for uh, all day if we wanted with how much you just said. So it sounds like being very clearly aligned with your business partner. Uh, yeah. It sounds also, Rob, like you're very clear on what business you're actually in. Like this is a, a, you're effectively running a sales and marketing organization that is just yeah. the byproduct of that is, is transforming houses, cleaning the exterior of houses. Would you agree with that? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. And then another key thing is you said it's all about the people, right? The, the beer and barbecue test. It sounds like you're yeah. taking that off as well. Like you seem like you're, 
hiring very like-minded people who are yeah. who are matching your core values as an owner uh, as well, which is which, which is the fascinating point in all of this. Like for the listeners watching, is is probably thinking like let's talk about recruiting maybe for a few minutes like how did you actually get those people who are like-minded match your values like how did you literally just plug in like 15 people boom into the company give us a few uh if you have on that so definitely been probably the hardest thing we've we've been running into this year is is finding good people um and when we find those good people we do everything we can to hold on to them it's basically kind of the strategy we have so we pump out a ton of interviews, you know, same way we have our, our estimates being pumped out. We try to do the same, same thing with uh, interviews um, and, you know, always have those going, always have ads up, um, always looking for good people to add to the team that are going to be ready to go. Um, and then once we get these people, we, we spend a lot of time with them and we invest a lot of time at the very start, showing them how much we care, um, you know, getting that core group of people in place so that, you know, what they, how they're feeling rubs off on all of our new people um, and kind of build that company culture around. We've had a lot of, um, friends or acquaintances of people that work for us that have ended up joining on as well. So um, I think that attests a little bit to, you know, the kind of culture we're, we're creating here, um, you know, just trying to keep that positive environment. Uh, for training, you know, on our, everyone's first day, we get them into the office, we do kind of like a presentation for them. Um, you know, for our marketing team, we brought them in. It's, you know, as you probably know, with cold callers, they, you know, usually drop off pretty quickly, but we, you know, hired a really good group of people we thought were gonna fit well. We brought them into the office. We sat them down. We did a big presentation. Me and Addy put on our dress shirts and got up in front of everyone and and showed them how serious we were about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even if that's not exactly how we were thinking in our own heads, but we, we showed them how serious we wanted them to take the job. And uh, you know, other than the odd person finding a job that's in their field of study, we haven't lost really any of our marketing team, which is uh, pretty exceptional for for door to door. And same with production. You know, we've had the odd person drop off. Um, you know, either they were having poor performance and we had to get them out or, um, you know, again, they found they went to, for example, one of our guys wants to go to culinary arts school and uh, he got a job working at a kitchen here. So yeah. um, he dropped down to part time. So, yeah, just kind of keeping once we got good people on our system, doing our best to keep them around. Uh, every Friday morning, we do a big meeting. This morning we did a big meeting. You know, we grab a box of donuts, grab some Gatorades for the guys for the day, um, you know, kind of go over any concerns that they have. Hey, guys, how can we make your, your jobs better? How can we make it easier? Uh, we go over any concerns that we're having, try to keep things very uh, equal there. And um, yeah, you know, focusing on the morale of the team. Generally, you know, if you see a team's down a little bit, maybe me and Aston will pop out and go say hello and bring them some Gatorades or, uh, you know, see what we can do better to kind of assist them in making that, you know, roll a little bit more smoothly, I guess. Yeah, Rob, it sounds like you're just doing the little things right. You know, these things you're doing, they're, they don't break the bank. It's just those small things that you can show hey, you're a good boss and you really care about your team and you're invested in them. And, yeah. you know, from the recruiting front, it sounds like these friends of friends are are really a key, yeah. you know, key kind of part of the flywheel. Are you incentivizing your team at all when they bring someone in or do you just have everyone so stoked on the vision where this thing's going, they can't help but tell their friends to join on? Yeah, actually, fortunately, you know, for the most part, we actually haven't incentivized bringing any friends on. So, um, you know, we had one guy that came in that was, you know, in the interview process was really concerned. He asked a lot of questions about the culture because I guess he came from a another workplace where he wasn't treated very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I just reinforced that throughout the interview and then brought him on and he's been really happy with it. And he was actually the one that uh, brought on a couple buddies. Mm-hmm. So I think they, his friends were in similar situations where they weren't, you know, totally happy with how they're being treated at their place. And 
you know, he's saying good things, it sounds like, about us. So um, they were happy to join on. And, and so far, it's been great. It's incredible, man. Um, for the viewers watching along, uh, feel free to uh, to uh, post a comment and we're going to have time to take a couple questions at the end of this. So, uh, you know, Rob scaling his, his business up to the seven figure mark and he's doing it really quick. So for those of you watching, uh, you have the opportunity to drop a question in. And uh, if it's a good question, I'll, uh, I'll put it on Rob's radar. Uh, we're just chatting guys about how Rob is scaling his his pressure washing business up, how he's building a team. And uh, for those of you watching live in our group here, um, I'm sure you can relate to what uh, what we're both going through as we both grow our, our washing businesses. But today, uh, today we wanna be hearing from Rob. So fire question in um, if you guys got questions. So Rob, I kind of want to niche down a little bit on the uh, on the marketing front. You're you're running these teams of door knockers. Um, are they also performing quotes on the spot? And how are you paying these door knockers? Uh, if you don't mind telling us kind of the nuts and bolts of that. Of course. So um, no, they're not performing estimates on the spot. We're uh, in the midst of, of looking at a transition. It's funny you asked that question actually because. Um, we have, so our part-time estimator in the other, uh, part of her time, she is door knocking for us. And so we're slowly transitioning her into doing estimates. And so yesterday we actually had her doing, uh, window quotes on the spot for people. Mm -hmm. um, we're experimenting with that a little bit just because the window jobs aren't really that big and it sucks to send out you know, a whole separate team of people, I guess, to our estimator, how to do a $200 window washing quote, um, that takes five minutes to do. So we're playing around with that a little bit. Um, we haven't implemented anything, you know, super set into place on that front yet, but I'll keep you posted on how that works out. Um, yeah. You know, part of the issue is that you get people, you know, you can, if you're giving them a quote on the spot, but from what we found yesterday, at least she didn't it for about four or five hours. Uh, what she reported back was, you know, she gets people's initial interest, but getting them to actually book a time at the door right after that. You just showed up at their door. They don't know who you are, you know, um, was a little bit difficult. So we're playing around with that. That'll be maybe in a couple of weeks from now. Um, I can report back to you there and let you know how that's working out. But for the time being, we're using Calendly, uh, which was, you know, crazy, crazy, crazy amounts of improvement from what we were doing before. We used to use just Google Sheets. They'd enter in their information to there, and then we were stuck uh, playing the phone game with people. Um, Calendly has been fantastic for us. So uh, for those of you that don't know what that is, basically it's just this really simple app that uh, allows um, your team to enter in uh, clients' information, and it generates it onto your Google Calendar for you, and it checks for conflicts. Um, and so that's been huge for us because it takes away, again, from the phone calls and chasing down leads and calling and calling and calling and getting voicemails and it, it's sucking that end. Um, we pay them per estimate, five bucks per estimate. Um, and then we pay them an hourly wage as well on top of that. Um, and so, you know, a couple of rules around it. It can't be same day cancellations and, you know, the, the quality of estimates has to be up to a certain level for sure. Um, and that's, you know, something we've been working on quite diligently, um, and especially again, like I said, we had the production start up a little early, so we maybe got away from, you know, focusing on the quality of estimates coming in for a little bit, uh, but we have our eye on it now. We're, we're working with our team to make sure that, you know, people are engaged when they're booking the estimate. They're going to remember that we're coming. They're going to know we're going to be there. We want to talk to people when we come to give them the price. So uh, that part's been been huge on that front. And then basically we just super basic. Um, we have roadmaps of areas of town that, uh, Know, kind of our ABC neighborhoods um, on how you know income house size you know if they have lots of trees around if they have no trees around that kind of stuff to you know indicate how dirty they might be um, and basically we send out a map segment to them and then they complete that map segment and then they send it back to us we give them a new one and they kind of just keep going 
And we have this nice rotation going around Victoria right now. So we're giving areas about two months, six, eight, eight, six to eight weeks, I'd say, to cool down before we go through them again. Um, but I think that's a big thing that, you know, was a big realization for us that, you know, you can go through an area and then two months later, it's a completely new area. And, yeah. you know, people get in our team too, you know, we had to reassure them, hey, like, they're like, we already hit these streets. Mm -hmm. And we're like, oh, yeah, no, like, it's cooled down, right? So if you're out knocking on doors and, you know, only 50% of the people answer the door and let's say there's two people living there, husband and a wife, you talk to one or the other at the door. Um, the next time you come around, you know, there's going to be a portion of the people that weren't home answering. There's going to be a different spouse answering the door. Um, you know, there's a lot more opportunity again to pull in. And we found that we were getting about the same amount of results in areas we've already hit before. Wow. So what, a, what an adjustment of the mindset, hey, of like truly what's possible. You think you can't, I can't knock on that door. That person got mad at me eight weeks ago. You know, yeah. well, maybe they just had a bad day at work and you caught yeah. them on a bad day or you got the grumpy person in the relationship. And how fast, man, houses are selling here in BC, yeah. flying off the shelf. It could be a new homeowner as well for all you know, uh, how quick things are happening. Yeah, absolutely. Different time of year. Oh, there's so many variables that uh, get discounted, I guess, when you're when you're looking at it. So last year we hit the area. We only had one person knocking on doors last year in, in the entire, basically from middle April to uh, Christmas time. I think we went through our area about five or six times. And I was only focusing on three or four really key areas. Wow. So, We've expanded that out a little bit more this year. We're on our second pass right now. Awesome. Second of many. Second of many. Absolutely. The nice thing too is, is like, as you know, is with the marketing, the multi touches, you know, you door knock two, three, four times, then they see your truck, then they see a sign, then they see a Facebook ad, then they, you know, it, it's just like this rinse and repeat, which is this beautiful system. You know, there's alarm companies, there's pest control companies that do, multi-millions just from door knocking so um how, how have you combated the whole concern with covid are you guys standing back do you mask up how, how are you doing that again mindset adjustment like you're booking yeah. all this work through a pandemic yeah absolutely and we got you know a lot of that's the first thing people say to us when we talk about doing door knocking is oh what about covid and all that stuff so yeah we have protocols in, in place to make sure that our team's staying safe um yeah you know they wear masks they stand back from the door uh, no obviously no co uh, contact with the customer um you know we don't even hand them a card if they want it we just put it down for them and they pick it up off of something later uh, all that kind of stuff in place and, and honestly we have the odd person that you know is, is overly worried about it and that's totally fine we just you know leave them alone we'd say oh so sorry you know on to the next one um and it's funny we've actually probably had just as many people on both sides of the equation like take the mask off uh, you know, this thing's fake. And on the other side where they're like, hey, COVID's this really big concern. You guys shouldn't be out here. I'd, I'd say it's been about equal. So it goes to show you how many how many people have been concerned. It has really been, you know, minute compared to the, the total yeah. amount we've been talking to. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's amazing, man. That's, uh, you know, just the success you're having from the door knocking. I think you're totally onto something that, honestly, I feel it's it's quite, quite a scalable marketing method. Are you... Um, what would be a rough marketing spend on your overall revenue? Or is that a 2%, 5 10%? What, where's that kind of sitting? Yeah, for, if um, you're, in, you're in hyper growth mode here. Yeah. Right now I think we're, we're around 8%. 8%. Uh, cool. And that, that'd be all in on, on everything. Mm -hmm. uh, we try to keep our labor, I think around four to four to 5%. Um, your labor for door knocking. Yeah. And then, you know, your, your wraps and your coats, and your shirts and your everything else would bump it up from there. Mm -hmm. uh, again at the start it's always more expensive when we're training people 
Um, we haven't finalized our quarterly report yet for the last three months. So um, or we have it kind of in motion, but we haven't finished it yet. So yeah, definitely curious to see how much we've spent on all that. Again, when you're training anybody, it's it's slow. It costs you a little bit more money than, than normal. So um, once you know everyone kind of catches their stride and they know what's going on, it becomes quite a bit cheaper. Our average cost per estimate, I believe, is around twelve fifty. Wow, per estimate—that's amazing. Canadian dollars. Canadian dollars, yeah. That's fantastic, and that is yielding you a job anywhere from like three hundred to like a thousand bucks, kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Our, our job, average job size—we've actually implemented a couple of price increases, and our average job size—we've seen that go up quite a bit. Um, I think one of our last sales reps, he had his best period by far as his Mac, absolutely crushed it the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, he had $35,000 in sales, average job size, I think it was six eighty. Um, so for us, that's that was good. We were around, last year we were around four forty. dollars yeah. Last year we were around 500 550 And so we're starting to see that come up, which is awesome. So That's awesome, man. That was actually our AGS last year, six, $681. Bucks. So it's something that you know, the less times you can move the truck and get more revenue per visit is, is phenomenal. So I think if your ticket gets up anywhere in the thousand dollar range and you can have a crew do two of those a day, um, you got a pretty sweet business. What, what Rob's not saying to you guys is the fact that you win customers your first year, you're going to have this long tail residual effect where you can, you know, Rob's going to be their house cleaner in 2022, 23, uh, maybe when they list the house then and want it clean. So, you know, it, it, it's a bit of a tricky thing quantifying your your lifetime value of your customer. But for our ideal, uh, for our ideal customers, our lifetime value, some of them can be ten, fifteen thousand dollars is not unreasonable. We run a seven year uh, lifetime val- lifetime cycle with our clients, uh, assuming roughly seven years, like no matter how great of a job you do, they will probably move on at some point, uh, just maybe move out of the area or, or whatnot, people's lives change. But that's kind of what we've based uh, our numbers on is that that seven year cycle. Um, question coming in while we're talking about sales. Uh, can you see that question come up? Yeah, I can actually. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I'll let, I'll let you handle that. And then, uh, then we're going to be talking about uh, the challenges of entrepreneurship so again guys we're live here with rob from uh, elevate exteriors in victoria he is growing his business like a rocket ship so you've got his ear here for maybe another 20 minutes or so so if you got a question on growing his business uh pipe in so thanks michael for the question i'll uh, I'll let rob take it rob's at or michael's asking rob uh what is your close ratio yeah great question so when we set out for this year we plan to be we're hoping for about 40 percent uh, and that was at an average job size of our average job size last year is 440. So quite small. Um, so we're aiming for that. So in terms of our goal this year, again, it depends. We have two different uh, estimators that do, I guess, two and a half estimators. We have someone's part time um, across the team. We were at about 35 percent. Um, I think it was just another, like 34.4 or five or six percent or something like that. Um, just under 35 percent. Um, and our average job size has come up. I think on average, sure, we're around 550. And so, you know, if you scale it to where our goal was last year, we'd be about 38%. So we're a little low on what we were hoping for. We we're hoping for about 40, but um, yeah, about mid 30s or so. And uh, go ahead, Dave. Oh, man, I was going to just say, I'm sorry to cut you off, but you're also pre season here, right? Like, I would imagine you, ha- like, you showed me your jobber the other day. You're like, look at all these quotes waiting. So it's like, yeah, those are going to come to fruition too. So Hopefully. Hopefully. counting that in too. 
yeah, hopefully those will start to kind of click through. Absolutely. Um, and we got follow up, you know, uh, we use MailChimp as well to, to follow up with people and to, to send out emails as well. And we've been seeing success with that coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess preseason, yeah, around 35%, a little lower than what we were hoping. But again, when, when it's not the owner showing up in the estimates, I think we're, we're going to see a drop in that because people really do like having the owner out. Um, as soon as it kind of gets distended a little bit and you have an estimator doing the project, um, you know, you don't build that same quite relationship with the customer. It's still a good relationship. They, you know, build a connection with our estimators, but a um, little different when the, the owner's out there. I think the clients may feel a little bit more important or something. I'm not exactly sure. And so when me and Addison were doing the quotes, we definitely saw a bit, a bit higher of a signing ratio. Um, but yeah, that's just to be expected, right? Can we talk about that for a quick sec, Rob? You're, you're not... You're not cleaning. You're not um, on. You're not door knocking necessarily. You're not. Uh, you're not even the one showing up for the quote. So, you know, you're you're not running this owner operator artisan hundred k business. You've chosen the enterprise model. You know, more the the guy ranching this thing out. Um, yeah. And that obviously it probably affects ticket size and uh, close rate to some degree. And I think you're smart to recognize that, um, you know, anytime you're replicating yourself going out there, you know, you're, you are effectively, and I know you'll never say it, but you are a freaking Superman in your business, right? And so, um, and every, every business owner is in their business. So I think anytime that you have an employee, no matter their level of rockstar status, yeah, kind of level up to like 70, 80% of your total capacity. And that's just, I think you've got to be realistic about that fact. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Our, both of our sales guys are, and Isabel, I guess they're all excellent uh, at what they do. There's, you know, it's just little things, right? You notice when you're, when you're walking around, you add little things into the quote that they might not catch and um, a little bit like that. Nice. Michael says, uh, that's great, Rob. This is all because of David's coaching. Of course it is, Michael. No, I'm uh, <laughs> Yeah, Rob, Rob and I chat as uh, as as buddies, and uh, the the thing I like about Rob is whether you learn from me and ev- everybody else. I find like you are you just take information, and like even our phone calls, there's no chit chat. Within two seconds, they're like, "Hey, show me this thing on Jobber. How do you? Yeah. Where where are you buying your vans? Like you're just so uh, almost savage, like in your like pursuit yeah. of information. Can you talk about? Yeah. That not just our relationship, but like, how are you learning from other places and then just like, boom, applying it kind of talk us through your mindset on that. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And uh, the style, I guess that I, I've had, it, it rippled in from, from, uh, you know, student painting and Addison brings in a whole nother wave of, of thinking as well on things. Um, you kind of, the best way that I like to look at it is every, you see, look at the people around you that are doing things successfully. Um, would you do it exactly the way they are? No, but there's little pieces of information that you can kind of morph into your own system. You take a little bit from here, you take a little bit from there. Um, when I was in the, I was a little bit behind you in the student painting game. And I remember when we had that uh, EMP meeting, um, listening to yourself and listening to Adam and uh, a couple other, the, uh, the managers that had found, you know, success. I wouldn't say that I, I followed any of your guys' systems exactly the way you did it, but I'd say I took a little bit from Adam. I took a little bit from yourself, took a little bit from here. And it made it so work for me because I think everyone's systems kind of have to work for them personally mm-hmm. a little bit, right? And finding where you can pull those pieces together to kind of create your systems to move forward is, is uh, you know, quite important. So, yeah, man, you're almost like baking a cake. Like you're just grabbing ingredients from different people who've already built their cake. Obviously, your frosting, this is a weird analogy, but your icing and your candies might be a little bit different. 
yeah. but it's all generally the same. That's it. Thing. Yeah. So yeah. there's a guideline for it, right? Kind of your keeping things organized, making sure certain things are, are running efficiently. Absolutely. So let's transition, man, and just I think we're kind of over like the wow factor. Someone watching to this, you know, following along, seeing your success, how quickly it's happening, kind of some things you're doing. We touched on door knocking marketing. Tell us like the ugly side of entrepreneurship, because I was on a, a podcast yesterday and the the guy, Alex, right away out of the gate was like, this business doesn't scale. You're dealing with imperfect people. So tell me about um, maybe limits to scalability or just uh, general challenges you have as a as an entrepreneur. And I would call you like not a new entrepreneur either because you we both came through the student painting and scraped our knee and now we're in washing so tell us some of like the not so good stuff that just happens of someone who is scaling this thing up yeah absolutely honestly there's more more of that than there is the the stuff that's good the only good times you're you're sitting down and you're looking at your reports at the end of the week or into the quarter and you're like oh wow things are actually going pretty well but as you're you're getting there it's, it's usually pretty ugly so um yeah main main things um, quality control, um, not just with projects, but with estimates, making sure that those are, you know, going well, there's, they're following a system, your, you know, estimators aren't kind of doing their own thing and, you know, pulling stuff in, quoting stuff that aren't included in your services, keeping your kind of brand image in going in one direction, uh, what you want to offer. Um, that's a constant uphill battle, um, with the guys doing, you know, 16 estimates and Izzy, sorry, I keep saying the guys, but Izzy's in there now as well. Um, as that moves, you know, they're doing 16 estimates a day. Um, there's a ton of room for error there, especially when we're looking at roofs, gutters, you know, patio, driveways, windows, storm windows, heritage windows, all different kinds of things. There's a ton of room for error there. And so, you know, that, that's probably the biggest thing because not only does that start with your estimating team, you know, that could look before that. Maybe the, the uh, prospective client that came in wasn't very, it wasn't a high quality prospect client, um, you know, translates into a not so great estimate. Um, Turns out that prospective client really wanted the work done. So they have a low quality estimate with this person who now wants the work done. The quote's not quite great. Um, there's issues with it. They're, the team's gonna go over budget on it or whatever the case is, they're gonna make mistakes. Um, and then that ripples into your, your production team, right? And so if you have a quoted job that's gonna take eight hours and it takes 10 hours, you know, you got a guy coming back to the office at six o'clock that day, pretty deflated and pretty upset. Mm -hmm. um, and so in terms of scalability, just, you know, looking, finding the root of the problem, trying to have these systems in place that can maintain themselves. Um, so they're not these, you know, whimsical things where one offs, you know, you're trying to create this normalcy around things that uh, you know, can be replicated over and over and over again with, you know, great uh, accuracy, I guess you can say. So biggest problem is issues starting earlier in the system, marketing or sales rippling into production. And then not only that, do the, you know, they, the guys rush through the job, they do a poor job now on the project, clients pissed off. Um, you know, now our office manager is getting a, a difficult phone call from them where they're not very happy. Um, you know, one little mistake early on really does ripple ripple in across uh, across the table to everybody. So I'd say that's probably the hardest thing uh, for us scale wise. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I don't know. I kind of went off uh, on a big tear there. No, it's good, man. It's about hearing your story and what's going on. Um, that's you said a lot of good stuff there. Uh, uh, Rob, it sounds like what you're really getting at is just the the systems of your business. You know, what are what are the actual processes and yeah. are people 
adhering to them, right? It's it's yeah. always easy to write out a system, but then to actually make sure it's getting followed all the way through. Yeah. And I think just as you hit this, like how many jobs are you going to do this year? Probably, I, I won't even venture a guess, but I'm yeah. guessing over a thousand. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we have 600 booked right now. We're hoping for I think 2,500 to, to 3,000, I think was where our target was. Nice, huge. So yeah, you're going to, like just from the helicopter view here, you take on 2,000, 2,500 jobs. Yeah. Like what are the chances that, you know, all 2,500 are going to go lickety split? It just doesn't happen. Like even at a 90% quality rate, you're going to have 250 people that are yeah. emailing, texting, calling in. So it's just like, I think again, being realistic that you're dealing with people and they're not, they're not perfect. And even if your GMB says 5.0, there's still this like battle going on behind that of people who are respectful enough not to slam you, but give you the opportunity to fix it. For sure. Absolutely. So how, how has systems played into helping like mitigate some of these challenges? Like, you know, maybe with the, the pricing, let's say, do you have like a set price book you point to? Obviously there's variation with windows and, and things and access, but how has systems helped like, standardize a bit of order and before you answer that i'll just tell the listeners like i think when you scale a business all you're really doing is moving from a state of chaos to less chaos i don't think you're ever arrived to like this four hour work weeks i maybe you are one day but i've not not seen it it's always challenging and even today is a holiday there's problems to fix i was up early this morning on my email and as Rob and I are both CEOs and we have, you know, 12, 15 employees that you're literally a problem solver. So how have systems helped you uh, almost be preventative and try get the problem before it happens? Yeah. It's all about systems at the end of the day. It really, it really is. Um, micro systems, big systems, everything. Um, it's all, it's all it really comes down to. So yeah, I don't know. Just, Putting things in place, I guess a big learning thing for us this year that kind of kicked us in the butt were um, having hard rules. And it sucks because it means that in certain situations, people are, you know, that you could probably help. You're not going to be out, you know, clients, you're not going to be able to help them because you have a hard rule in place. Um, we had a bunch of these like, oh, you know, if it's this, you can maybe do this, if you can do that. And what we found was that it was starting to get applied incorrectly. So, uh, for example, um, you know, services that are kind of like on the cusp of what we would offer. Um, at the start, we're like, oh, we'll do it like per client, right? To see how what the situation's like. And that just spiraled out of control. Um, for our marketing team, we said, hey, if you can't get a phone number at the door, no one wants to give you a phone number, don't worry about it. That's fine. If it's the odd one, no big deal. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, all of our estimates are coming in and we don't have a single phone number. Uh, big problem or email or address. And it just starts mm-hmm. to slowly, as soon as there's these soft rules in place, we're like, hey, sometimes it's okay. It just it goes to the window. It sucks because you're going to lose people. You're going to lose someone who did want their windows washed that you know didn't want to give their phone number. You're going to lose that odd person. But the amount of problems it prevents in the future is mm-hmm. massive. So yeah, honestly, it is all about these microsystems you build. Um, you know, each of our teams there's dozens of little systems in place to make sure that the quality of work that they're producing, um, you know, is is high. The quality of leads coming in is high. The estimates quality is high. The production quality is high. It's it's uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent, man. Um, I could riff on this all day, but the quote I love is, um, to your point, uh, discretion is the enemy of standardization, which we've, we've yeah. been there too, man. We're just like, 
oh, you know, we'll we'll make the exception and and home service businesses do this all the time. Like old Mrs. Smith comes out, oh, do you mind just replacing that flashing on my roof? Well, sure, I could run to Home Depot and do it, but it's just like we always yeah. say, uh, will that work for ten trucks? Our goal is getting to ten trucks. Um, and we, we want a $2 million business in three years, 10 trucks. So we always say, does that work for 10 trucks? And yeah, oftentimes if you're even asking that it probably doesn't. And so getting back to systems, we actually pumped out a one page document of guess what? All this stuff revive is not going to do anymore. And so this list is growing. And so we get calls for tile roofs, cedar shake roofs, post-construction cleaning, parkades, anything above four stories, anything outside of our square box. Like literally, yeah, we're saying no to more things that we're saying yes to. Yet yeah. Our business has never been as good as it is uh, this last quarter. So yeah, can sure. you, can you speak to that too of like yeah. turning, saying no sometimes um, actually moves the needle forward even more? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I think I called you last year at some point. I said, hey, man, we got a cedar-shaped roof coming down the pipe. What do we do? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, he said, you don't do it. And, uh, man, I couldn't have been sure advice. Honestly, the amount of stress and everything else, you know, you look at the price tag on it, and you're like, oh, two grand. Wow, that's that's a big job. Uh, we don't want to turn that away. Uh, but at the end of the day, the amount of issues that that ended up causing, um, it wasn't worth it at all, not even close. So, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, we're fine tuning things and it's tough, it, it's tough because, you know, we're a washing uh, company and we don't want to say that we're not a full service washing company, that we have things that we don't do. Um, but when you have a high volume amount of work, if you have a good work funnel and a good amount of work coming in, uh, you can kind of be a little bit more picky and choosy about, about what kind of projects you're willing to take on. So totally. Agree, Michael. Michael, agree. Uh, we agree. We're nodding. Michael says uh, you can't have a gray area with systems. It's, uh, it, it's so true. And I think, Rob, that even goes back to our days in painting. You know, in my last few years, I, I wrote out what's causing my frustrations. And it was uh, it was decks and it was doors. And so guess yeah. what? The last year we did a few hundred thousand and we didn't touch a deck and we didn't touch doors. Like, again, did we lose jobs? Yes, for sure. We lost revenue. But it kept us in our lane and with revive it actually the the turning point for us was making a, a core value of excellence and we put that up on the wall in the office and said yeah. we don't do a job just good enough we need 10 out of 10 on everything from the initial phone call to the crew going out doing the job and i'm just like these roofs i'm looking at man i can't do a 10 out of 10 on a cedar shake roof that that's a whole nother kettle of fish and again with 10 trucks, I want simple replicatable services that we offer that you can train someone up and have them in a truck in like one to two weeks kind of thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. What, what are a few more like basic, let's get a little granular here. Like talk to, talk to the guy, Rob, who's doing like a hundred thousand dollars. He's just quit his job and he is trying to, you know, he's hearing us say, oh, system, systems, like what advice would you have for, for John doing a hundred grand right now? And he's like, like these guys I coach, man, I ask them, if you could wave a magic wand, what would be your revenue level? And yeah. everyone has different goals, but it's yeah. usually like, man, if I could get to 500,000 and have like two trucks and an office manager, yeah. I would be shouting from the rooftop. So like what, 
what's a few basic systems that John here doing a hundred thousand? Yeah. He, he's two or three years in business. He's a go getter. And what what's a few systems that John needs to put into his business to to get him a hundred to five hundred thousand? Absolutely, John's John's probably one of the toughest positions of all out of everybody. Once you make that leap of faith into trusting other people, um, it's easier to trust more and more people. But when you're a solo operator doing it all on your own, it's really, really, really tough to, you know, pass the the stick to someone else and say, okay, I'm going to trust you with it. Because the second they make a mistake, you're like, oh, they can't do this. I need to take over. And uh, that's that's one thing that's really, really hard. And so um, I would say first thing for for someone like John is is get someone in. Train them the way you want to train. You're going to make mistakes when you train that person. They're probably, you know, whenever we bring in a new position, me and Aston are finding that usually the first, a new position, estimator, technician, whatever it is, office manager, the first couple people we brought in usually don't end up working out that great in the end because we didn't know how to properly coach them to do their job properly, right? And so, you know, for example, we have got Jordy now, which is fantastic. We had a couple people before her that didn't work out. Was it their fault? No, it's probably ours because we didn't know what we were doing either when we were training them, right? So for someone with John, so get, start getting people into your business that are good people at their core, um, that you can start to pass your knowledge of and start systemizing how you're going to pass your knowledge that you have about what you're doing onto that person. Um, letting them, you know, sink in the deep end a little bit. If you're, if you're always holding them up out of the water, um, they're never going to learn to swim on their own. And so... Um, you know, obviously you don't go too far over the deep end, but, you know, give them a little bit, give them some water wings first to try to swim on their own and, and teach them how to do that and step back from that. Um, and then just continuously bringing in new people, systemizing how you're going to train these people, keep bringing them in, understanding that the first people, our first technicians that we had hired were uh, great people, not good, like not, not good technicians. They, you know, the ones that stuck around continuously caused us problems. Was it their fault? No, it's the coaching that me and Addy gave them when they first started. Mm-hmm. And so it took a little bit of time to get those people used to it. But once they knew what they're doing, once you can trust, you know, handing things off to the next person and replicating training people, um, that's where things really start to grow. And that, again, that's more so, I guess, my opinion on it. But um, getting good people in and start practicing training people, they're never going to be perfect right away. The first couple of weeks is the hardest. It always takes a couple of weeks before they kind of understand and then then it gets better. 100%. 100%, man. Um John's got to get himself off the truck as well. That, yeah, like, absolutely. Can yeah. you talk, like one thing I love about your story, Rob, is you don't spend a long time in like one position of your company. Like yeah. I'll talk to you like in two weeks and you'll be like, oh yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. I've taken off that hat and put it onto that person. And yeah. I find the hardest people to coach are like, yeah. I've been in the truck for seven years. I know all the chemicals, like I could put a lecture together on all the chemicals, but they they're not really like marketers or like fishers of people like you are you're a freaking like magnet on the island of just like getting people buzzing around you and one of my favorite leadership books is John Maxwell's 21 irrefutable laws of leadership and it's the law of uh what is I actually forget like it's, he just talks about how you you you're mm-hmm. attracting people constantly to yourself so um you know how how could John get himself off the truck because you you were not on the truck for very long is that is it like a mindset thing was it like this is a twenty dollar an hour task and i'm worth a hundred like what what's a couple like key things that if i'm going out on my route this week and i'm hearing this on this on this weekend give me like shake up my brain right now 
mindset. It is a mindset. You're going to bring in someone. They're not going to be as good as you. That's okay. That's the way it's going to be. You just got to keep tra keep training, keep persisting. You know, if after, you know, a handful of, you know, four weeks or more goes by and it's not working out, maybe bring in someone else in and give them a try. But just the mindset of being like, oh, they can't do it. I need to do it. Hmm. That needs to disappear. Um, if, if they, if you can't train them to do it properly, you're not training them properly. Right. And so getting those people to, tr so that you can trust them and understand what they're doing and that you can step back and understand in your head is only probably be about 80% of what you can do. That's okay. And not giving up on them too quick. Um, I'd say is the number one thing for, for someone in that position. You need to trust those people uh, huge to, to be able to, to do that. I don't know. That's uh, last year. So we only had five people last year. Um, two technicians, a uh, couple door knockers, um, Addison and myself. And at the start, it was it was tough because me and Addison had never watched a window before, um, ever, not once. And wow. so we were still learning. They were still learning. Everyone's still learning. And uh, it was really hard for us to kind of let them go on their own at the start, as it was with painting. But you have to make that leap of faith. Um, you have to jump. Understand that they're not going to – don't let them make any catastrophic errors. But at the same time, you have to let them make the smaller errors. They have to fall on the sword a couple of times to understand uh, until that light bulb goes off. So, Do you think that's why the Johns of the world stay stuck at 100,000 is because they are hoarding all the control in their company, which, yeah. which yeah. then – basically shows their mindset they believe like you would say your team can do the job what almost as good as you or as good if not probably in some cases better like i bet your no, no, yeah, yeah i bet i bet your office manager is probably like better than you are right now um probably yeah, yeah i would i would definitely agree if i stepped into her position right now i have no idea what's going on on the scheduling invoicing no idea no idea that's awesome. So, you know, you're, it, it comes down to mindset. It comes down to getting great people on the team. Can, can we close up with just like, talk to me a little bit about vision, because I always say to the people I talk to, you know, give me one gold nugget, this and that. I'm like, you got to start with an organizational chart and you got to start with a vision because Jim Collins talks about, you know, you getting on the bus, uh, and the yeah. leader getting the, the people on the bus in the right seats. And yeah. I would say, would you get on a bus if you didn't know where it was going, right? Like you, that's the first thing you want to know. What's, where's this freaking thing going? So that's a vision as a business owner that, Hey, guess what? This is where the elevate bus is heading. Yeah. We're getting here in three years. Here's all the seats. Now yeah. pick, pick your seat and get on the bus. Cause this thing is your, your bus is also going like 200 miles an hour, by the way, it's a fast moving Bus. So talk about talk about vision. Like you put on a suit and tie. You said you got the team together. Like, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about like building out. You know, beginning with the end in mind. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, before you bring anyone onto your team, you need to know a what your projections are. If you're just bringing people on, you're bringing on more door knocking people. If you don't know what your goal is in terms of revenue. And what percentage those marketing team, if you just bring on people and just say, oh, yeah, I'll just pay them and they're going to go do this. And then we're going to somewhere end up over in this neighborhood of revenue and they're going to, I'm going to pay them about this much. It's not going to work out. And so I definitely think having that plan, knowing where your, your not only your revenue goals is um, and breaking the numbers backwards from there. Also knowing kind of what your what kind of service you're offering to the customer. Um, 
our prices, I definitely say we're, we're a little bit more expensive than some of our competitors in town. Um, and that's just the way we choose to be. That's totally fine. There's people that crush it in town here that have run on a budget model. Um, you know, they, they run through jobs and they, you know, they have a lower charge rate, but they do much more volume than us. They work that works as well. But figuring out where do you lie on that scale uh, is very important, right? So coming from student painting, I guess that ingrained into me, you know, by the end of it, you're kind of on the higher end of the student painting game in terms of what you can charge. But there's a, a very clear threshold of how much you can charge as long as you have that student name attached to your, to your mm -hmm. company, I guess. And so same same thing for this. If you're picking to be a budget company, stick to that niche and go after it. If you're going to be more premium, go for that. That will that mindset will start to ingrain into the people you bring into your system. And it will also help you find the right people, I think, for your business, um, making sure you're bringing the right people in. Uh, we tell people when we sit them down for interviews, our technicians, we say attention to detail and excellence as well, same as you guys, is very important for us. Uh, we promise all of our clients that we will make sure that they're happy by the end of the project. And if they're not happy, then they don't have to pay. And so we tell them that and we say, if you don't have similar values and you're not a person that pays attention to detail and, you know, is going to be willing to go a little bit extra to make the customer happy, you know, probably not going to work out here for us. So um, definitely having that vision is, is very, very important. It shapes everything that you do, really. Um, and would you say, Rob, like your technicians today, yeah. can you see maybe some of them lighting up for like, they, wow, this thing could be going somewhere we're growing fast there could be a you know lead position or a, a quality control or a production manager position like is that does that ingrain in the mindset of your technicians of like there's upward mobility or even lateral mobility to like maybe office as that builds or in sales so how do you um how do you go about uh you know getting your technicians like knowing what the next step is is it something you're talking about on the regular yeah very regularly honestly i i do genuinely believe to my core that uh the amount of ability for an employee to grow within the business is almost as important if they are making enough money to live they're making a couple extra bucks an hour that ability to grow within the business is probably what's going to keep them waking up every morning wanting to come to work fired up that extra couple dollars an hour is not what's going to do that mm -hmm. um and we see it time and time again you give a guy a raise he's happy for a week and a half two weeks so he gets his first paycheck and then he's just kind of like, meh, whatever. I still have to wake up and do the same things. So yeah, we, we try to bring, especially for our estimators, um, we told both our production team and for our marketing team that this position is one that can get moved to from either of these positions. If you're interested, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you're not in the truck, you're not getting your hands dirty every day. Um, you have ability to make commission on what you're, you know, you put in the hard work, you're able to make a little bit more money commission wise. And so um, that's where we kind of move um, people towards, I guess, for, for you know, kind of promotion and growth within the business. Um, I'd be lying if I said we had a position above estimating right now, kind of in that uh, role of things. We're, we're working on that, um, but uh, yeah, that's kind of where we start. We have our you know our door-to-door -door people, we have our technicians, we have our estimators, and we kind of have our office manager. Um, and at this point in time, um, yeah, the, the real move there, I guess, is up to, to estimating. And all of our estimators, but one of them has been promoted from within. So amazing. One of them was a technician last year for about six months. Uh, Mac, who's absolutely crushing it, and then uh, Isabel was a door knocker for us uh, for about two and a half months, um, and she was doing fantastic. So we we moved her up in test meeting. That that's awesome, man. And I could even see a future role being like a you know sales department manager or something yeah. to, where you could promote an estimator to now go quote you know multi housing complexes or who's really turning into like the coach coach. Like we say, there's the four streams, right? Um, marketing, uh, office or admin production, and then sales. So yeah. we're constantly saying, 
look at these positions that are opening up and find yourself on our organizational chart. Cause that is, you're right. Like people don't just show up for a little bit of an increase in, in pay. I think our peer group, you're a little younger than me, but you know, our general generation wants to be part of growing something. And yeah. I think for me, the people who've bought into to my vision with revive are younger people or even some older people, but just, they want to link up with where this thing's going and they want to have a seat on the bus. And I think that's where this keep going back to John here doing a hundred thousand is yeah. maybe spending some time in saying like, actually, where's this thing heading? Cause it was a, it was definitely a mind block for me as I got started was like, no one wants to join my small little, you yeah. know, $50,000 window cleaning company. And it was just like right here. And now I'm like, sharing the positions we have available because i'm like stoked with the team that we're building and how how we're growing quick and all the positions available agreed yeah no it's it's great like i said earlier john's in the, the hardest spot that he'll be in and uh definitely that position having someone either another business or a coach or uh you know other people like-minded people around you that can you can talk to to help you try to get out of that if you surround yourself with a bunch of other people that are doing a hundred thousand dollars you're probably going to have a hard time breaking that mindset and so you know, finding other people that are doing that, talking to people that know what they're talking about uh, to get out of that, because that, that's a very, very tough spot. And I've seen, you know, in the student painting game in particular, and then moving into this, I've seen dozens of people stuck in, the, you know, no one no one does it good enough to, to satisfy my my expectations. And it's pretty, pretty. Uh, you're not going to grow, basically. It's, it's going to come down and you're going to do 100 grand a year for the rest until you're done. So Totally, man. Does it ever... Is there a level you find it gets a little bit easier? Or do you find just like your problems are different? Like now you have 15 staff, there's people problems to deal with, right? But is there anywhere you found on your journey, painting or washing where you like, you can actually like breathe a little bit? Like, okay, I can, you know, I'm getting yeah. some wins here or has it just been like quite hard right through? Yeah, no, there's the little levels you get to. So once you have enough revenue coming through, you have enough crews going right you're at the start so i was basically running the office um i was in the office more so Addy was usually out doing stuff uh once you get to a certain amount of revenue you can now afford to have an office manager right mm -hmm. and so now you can start to alleviate the pressure that's coming from that because you know when monday morning rolls around we have 80 or more emails in the inbox uh you know it takes a better part of a day to go through we have voicemails we have all that kind of stuff so as you start to level your business up and you start to kind of move through that scale um, yeah, you can start to bring in people that, you know, quality of life definitely, definitely improves. So I wouldn't say we're quite at the point yet where we'd have a production manager per se. Um, but, you know, a couple more vans on the road. We're going to need someone making sure the equipment's in good order. Uh, the vans are working well, um, making sure tools aren't going missing. You know, it makes sense at that point, right? Um, when we brought Jordy in, it made sense to have, um, you know, someone in the office managing the, the front end, doing our scheduling and stuff because it was eating up too much of, you know, Addison and mine's time. Uh, to be able to grow the business and kind of focus on managing all the different teams. So, yeah, I'd say it does get easier. Uh, again, different, defined easier, but, um, you know, your role changes. You start to bring in people, your quality of life can go up. Um, you bring in people to kind of take care of those those tasks that you can, you know, start to automate. So. And I think, man, the level you're at now, like if I had to boil down your skills where you're like, very, very strong would be in in marketing, I would say. Like you are just... You could go out and start junk removal today and no one would know you and it would it would just boom over the next two years because you just you're like, OK, it's a very clear path. I know what I got to do. 
I need this many door knockers. I need clipboards. I need Calendly. I need a brand. So um, I think marketing, you're, you're very strong. I would say knowing your numbers as well. Um, I think that was beaten in through student painting as well is yeah. like really knowing your costs. Um, yeah. you, you'd be strong in. And then I would just say is, is the marketing kind of stems out to like an offshoot of like recruiting because you're now attracting your internal customers as well. So you're, you know, I would say those are, is there, is there anything I'm missing that someone at your level kind of needs to be like very, very competent in if, you know, as, as the leader of the ship, is there anything like key skill you'd say at your level you're, you would have acquired as well? Yeah. Um, I think, the having confidence during the interviews because like you said they are internal customers right and so if you go into an interview and you're feeling unsure of the position and you're, you're kind of have doubts about its success people can people can see that they can read that on you and so coming in being like hey here's our systems this is what we do you know that you know boom 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 you have all these things hammered into place ready to go the decisions you do make you have firm decisions on um you know if they happen to be wrong later on you start to make you know changes to those but being confident throughout the interview process um Again, John on the truck hiring his first person. If he's in there and you know the interview, he's not very confident, and he you know kind of giving off bad vibes as to what the position is going to be like. Um, pro person's probably going to have quite a bit of doubt and probably not take the job or take the job and quit shortly after. So um, you know we've we've had telemarketer. We tried with telemarketers as well, and I found that as well. Um, you know the first couple of people we interviewed Flex, we never done it before. I was kind of like, yeah, you know we we think we might do this and we might do that, and what do you think and they could read that I didn't really know what was going on and that I didn't have systems and they could read that. So definitely having confidence, being, you know, trusting who you are, who you are as a business and, uh, you know, speaking firmly about things. Yeah, this is what we do. And it gets easier. The more and more people, uh, the first couple of people, like I said, are going to be tough. They're going to be, you're going to be learning how to teach them. And then once you get over that hump and you know, you're like pretty confident on how you're going to train people and the systems you have in place for that, um, it gets, gets exponentially easier to bring people in. I love it, man. We'll wrap up with that. I love how much we chatted about delegating, you know, and I also like your mindset in that, like, guess what? Like you turned over a few people in the office and you, you own the fact that it's always the business owner's fault. You know, for me, it took four or five hires to really find a rock star in the office uh, that we have now and always recognizing the difference of actual delegating to just dumping and being like, Hey, here's the call script, like go for it. It's actually like, no, giving people, like you said, the water wings and being like, uh, watch me. Now I'm going to watch you do it. Now we'll do it together. And then we'll give you some coaching and some feedback. And I think the yeah. beautiful place where you're at in your business is you're now identifying bottlenecks, right? And you're seeing where, where does this thing plug up as it keeps growing and you're just diving in and and you're you're fixing things and you're seeing what needs to get delegated and and for those of you who haven't read the e-myth i try say this on every recording i do please 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 read the e-myth because we get clear on what's technical work what's managerial and what's entrepreneurial work and i think if you look at rob he's not dove into the weeds in the technical department managerial yes but now he's in entrepreneur land and he's always thinking six months ahead where this thing is uh is heading so it's uh it's been awesome rob thanks for um yeah it's been great yeah man you, honestly you're you're dropping awesome wisdom i think we should tee this up maybe later in the year as you get through your your first busy season and maybe we 
chat about Christmas lights or whatever you got uh, on the go there. But um, how can uh, how can someone reach out to you or even even support your company? What you got going at uh, at Elevate there on uh, on in Victoria? Yeah, honestly, Facebook. Um, I don't know if you have my phone number there. Uh, email. Honestly, any any really route of communication. If anyone ever has any questions, they can reach out. Always happy to talk to people. I'm used to it with university painters. I'd get phone calls from new managers or people who hadn't even signed on yet, uh, asking questions about it. So always happy to to do it. Don't be shy. Um, if you ever have any questions, I'm super happy. I, honestly, it's great to grow kind of the, the entrepreneurship. Uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, network. Yeah. Uh, always good to talk to people. It's always fun. Always gets me fired up talking to other other people in the trenches with you. So. Yeah. And you, you give back, man, as much as you, you give more than you take for sure. I know when we met in Whistler back in, I think 2015, yeah. you were just like a sponge. Like, how do you pay your door knockers? What do you do with this? And just, you're sitting front row in my presentation. I think, you know, you have this posture of like always learning and growing Absolutely. and recognizing when I get people messaging me, I'm like, okay, this person's like a hungry go-getter. I can, you actually want to help the people who are For seeking sure. out advice. And yeah. I send out more LinkedIn and Facebook messages than, than anyone I know, just cause I'm always trying to connect with people and, and it's just kind of a fun part of growing the business. Absolutely. Well, right on guys, reach out to, uh, to Rob. I'll get him tagged up here, uh, in the show notes and, uh, Rob, I'll let you run and, uh, and, and keep crushing the business, brother. I wish you, uh, nothing but success on your, uh, rocket ship up to the moon here. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. Yeah. We'll chat soon, man. Yeah. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the episode today. If you want to get even more value from David, then book your free coaching call at homeservicebusinesscoach.com.